The cigar industry mourns the passing of an icon. Canadian Fuhrer Justin Castro Trudeau invokes Nazi-like powers. And a vegan feminist claims that eating meat is linked to white supremacy and racism. The woman is cuckoo. This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. As always, I extend to you my long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw Fuhrer Justin Castro Trudeau. And as always, we stand with the Canadian Freedom Convoy. It is your global five-star alpha male-in-chief and general, Front and center from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa. As always, the Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of traditions, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, a five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos, will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This week marked a very big milestone. Mick the Brit, our colonel in charge of the European Theater of Operations, had his birthday. And when I called to wish him a happy birthday, I had the brilliant idea of bringing Mick on. It's been a while since we have had him front and center. And so Mick the Brit joins us from his... European Theater of Operations, his special bunker that at one time housed the legendary British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Mick, I know you can still smell the aroma of Sir Winston Churchill's cigar and the aroma of his whiskey all around you currently. So welcome. Great to have you back. Thank you very much, General. And it's great to be here with you and the lieutenants here on this Cigar Dave, the General's podcast. So I hear that Prime Minister Boris Johnson is in a bit of hot water, or as you say, hot water. Water, yes. Not water, water. No, he has a tea, water. Water, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Mick, I understand he was partying like it was 1999 yeah. when he, I think, signed the, 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 the decree that you couldn't party and couldn't socialize. That's right, General, and it's typical, don't do as we do, do as we say. That is correct. Isn't it amazing that all these political officials, they're always enacting mask mandates and they're, they're enacting all sorts of other lockdowns, and yet they still are enjoying themselves. They go to restaurants without masks. It's do as I say, not as I do. What is good for, what is it, it's good for me, but not for thee, or something, it's good for thee, but not for me, something along those lines. And now I understand there's a police investigation. Could we see Boris Johnson wearing an orange jumpsuit going to the big, the big, where is the big house, by the way? I know the big, there's a big house in Leavenworth, Kansas. Where's the big house in Britain? 
Oh, well, that, yeah, well, there's, well, there's several, actually. Um, I think the one in South London where we put the terrorists in down there near Woolwich. Uh, that would be the big one, the, the horrible one. And, of course, there's Wormwood, Scrubs, Wandsworth Prison, which is an old Victorian building. There's lots. Well, I say lots. We haven't got enough, to be honest with you, General. But, yeah, there's there's poke, plenty of pokies to be putting him in. Lock him up. That's what I see. So, Mick, tell us very quickly what is going on in the European and British theatre of operations. Boris, I understand, said that we got to get back to normal. All the lockdowns, all the restrictions are history. Is that the case? It we're hoping that will be announced on the 24th uh, next week. So, yes, um, we will be one of the first countries to lift all uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, but here's the thing, General. That He said that as a sideline to take the heat off him with all this, his partying. And, um, you know, people were, you know, there were people saying we, we don't want him. You know, even his own backbenchers, his own fellow MPs saying, you know, we're not going to win the next election with uh, you there, Boris. So, uh, you know, it's all to take that heat off. So, uh, but now, you know, the, the, the media is now talking about what's going on in Ukraine. And today you might, or you might over time see uh, that today in the UK, we had one of our worst storms. Uh, with winds gusting uh, a record-breaking 120 miles per hour. So that's kind of what's going on. Everyone's been sidetracked. And, and, yeah, it's like what they call the dead cat uh, syndrome, where they go, oh, there's a dead cat over here. So you go looking at that, taking your eye off what's really going on. Yeah, the Russian-Ukraine conflict is nonsense. And I think Joe Biden... Uh, brainless Biden, as we call him, he is using that as a decoy over the absolute abysmal track record he share he has now in, in domestically domestic policy with inflation, with crime, with the the open border, total disaster, trying to change the subject. Do you think for one second that Putin, who is making now a billion dollars a day on selling his oil, a huge part of their economy. Do you think he's going to risk that with sanctions? No chance. But what I do find amazing is that every time somebody from Russia says, there's nothing, we're not going to invade, and then another day says, eh, maybe we're going to look to put more troops on there, they're manipulating the market. And the beneficiary of that, I guarantee you, is Putin and the Russian, Russian coffers. There's no doubt about it. They're shorting the market. And then all of a sudden they're saying, nope, we're gonna, everything is fine. And then, boom, they're, they're covering and they're making money hand over fist. I'm not buying anything that the Biden administration has to say about it. Let me talk about a very influential, well-known, well-respected man in the cigar industry who just passed away this week, Carlos Tarano Sr., the former man behind the Carlos Tarano cigar line, passed away at the age of 78. Carlos was a longtime friend. I had him on a guest as a guest on the Cigar Dave show many times. Absolute gentleman, great stories. I'll share a story with you in just a bit. But first, Carlos Tarano was born in Cuba, and his family was a major broker, grower of cigar tobaccos going back to 1916. In the 1930s, the Tarano family in Cuba focused on growing shade wrapper, the most prized and expensive component of a cigar, even to this day. A story that Carlos relayed to me is that President Batista at the time was corrupt. 
everybody knew it, and he was bad news. And this smooth-talking revolutionary, Fidel Castro, starts talking and saying that he's going to be great, he's going to change the country, he's going to eliminate all the corruption, and that he wasn't going to touch private industry, private business, never said he was a communist, said, I'm just going to clean things up for the Cuban people. Amongst the many donors to Fidel Castro's, I would say, march, if you will, from the countryside into the cities and into Havana, were the country's elite. The spirit producers, the sugar producers, and the cigar and tobacco manufacturers and growers. Those are the three primary industries. So Castro knew he had to have their support. Very, very big industries, very powerful industries. And as Carlos Tarano told me, Dave, it was the biggest mistake that we ever made. We believed him hook, line, and sinker. And we see that with politicians today. Barack Obama came and said, there's no red states, there's no blue states, there's only the United States, and everybody believed him. And he became very leftist. Joe Biden, I'm a moderate. I'm going to restore, I'm going to restore civility back in the country. I'm a moderate. Look at me. Do I look like a socialist? Yep, he does look like a socialist now. And so whenever these politicians talk, most of them, especially the leftist, when they say something and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm moderate, I'm right in the middle, trust me, don't trust them. And Carlos told me, he said that was a huge mistake because the family business in 1959 was seized by the Cuban government when Tarano was 16 years old. And essentially he said that Castro's goons came in and said, you have two choices. You work for us or you don't work at all or possibly you get whacked. They had no choice. They got nothing for their business. They were nationalized. The very man they supported turned on them. Reminds me of that snake poem that Donald Trump always reads or has read many times at his rallies. And he said that Soon after Fidel came into power, we made a major mistake because it was a communist revolution and there was no way to put it back in the bottle. The tobacco industries, the sugar industries, the uh, spirits industries, they were all the rum industry, they were all taken over. They were the first two or three industries that he took over. Came, Castro regime came in. They took the family businesses. They locked down their bank accounts. Everything was lost. These Cubans who had worked their entire lives, multiple generations, to achieve success, taken away like that. And it reminds me right now of what Fuhrer, Justin Castro Trudeau, did in Canada this week by signing the Federal Emergency Act. And I'll get to that later on in this edition of The Cigar Dave Show. But when you look at what Castro did, we're seeing much of that repeat itself today. Here in the United States, calls for socialism. Canada, with, what, uh, with Castro Trudeau. And the reason I call him Castro Trudeau, Justin Trudeau is the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. The 
data and the facts are overwhelming. When you take a look, first of all, just look at the pictures side by side of a young Castro, Fidel Castro, and Justin Trudeau. The resemblance is uncanny. And in fact, after Trudeau got married, when Pierre Elliott Trudeau, the prime minister at the time, got married to Margaret, 30 years younger, they went down quietly to Cuba. And the word is they were swinging and uh, Fidel Castro was banging Margaret Trudeau. And there's always been the rumor floating around that it was Fidel Castro that impregnated Margaret Trudeau, not Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And if you take a look at the pictures, and I've got the pictures, we'll, we'll post them side by side on social media and cigardave.com. There is no doubt. I'd ask Justin to take a DNA test, and then we'll get some DNA uh, from Fidel. I'm sure it's got to be lying around somewhere. I will tell you, I will almost assuredly say there is a 99.9% .9 chance that Fidel Castro is Justin Castro Trudeau's father. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Look at what Justin Trudeau did this week. We'll get to that later. But Toronto's left Cuba with nothing. Carlos Torano Sr. went to school, worked in the computer business before going back to the family tobacco business. And what happened was back in 1970, his father passed away. So he started working back in the family business, the tobacco business. And when his uncle passed away, Jaime, in 1974, he went in full-fledged, full-time into the family's tobacco-growing business. He eventually became a tobacco brewer, a, uh, broker with a company named Central America Tobacco. In 1994, they, the family began plans to manufacture, distribute their own line of cigars. And they had several factories that they built, and for many years they made cigars for CAO, for Gurkha, for Dunhill, for many others. And in 1996, his son Charlie, who is an attorney, is still an attorney, came into the business, and the father-son team of uh, Carlos Torano Sr. and Charlie worked together for many years, and they created some absolutely fantastic cigars. The Exodus 1959, the Casa Torano, the Torano Dominican, just fantastic cigars, did very well. And then they ended up selling to General Cigar. It was very unexpected. They uh, sold to General Cigar, I want to say about seven years or so ago. General Cigar then reblended and repackaged, re-imaged much of the Torano line and did a great job doing it. And then about two years ago, they just cut the line completely. There still are Torano cigars available at some retailers, some online uh, mail order retailers, but a great lineup of cigars. And I had... Carlos Torano Sr. on the show many, many times. He was a wonderful gentleman whenever we would see each other at the Cigar Retailers Convention or Miami, always a big hug. We'd, we'd, we'd catch up. And I had he and Charlie, they flew up from Miami. This has got to be around, oh, I'd say about 2002, 2003. And I'd wanted to get them both on the show for the full two hours. And so they flew up on Friday, and they, they went and saw some of the retailers in Tampa. Saturday, they came in for the show, spent two hours together. And one of our affiliates at the time was 610 WIOD in Miami when it was a fantastic news talk station. Great programming. There were some great shows on Saturday. I remember 
Uh, my show was on. And then there was Toys for Boys. There was some great, great programming on the legendary WIOD. And then, of course, now that iHeart has uh, totally destroyed it, it's a fragment. It's a shell of what it was with the rings that have just dissipated. But that's happened in the entire broadcasting and radio industry. But they both came up. And during the interview, we took calls. And a call comes in from a woman down in Miami listening on WIOD. Can't remember her name. I know we've got it in the archives somewhere. And she says, Carlos, I want to just say hello. You and I went to grade school together in Cuba. And I, I, I heard your voice and immediately recognized you, and I had to call. And so I said, well, what's your name? She said her name, and Carlos and me said, of course I remember. And then they had a talk for about five minutes about uh, old times. And I remember afterwards Carlos saying, that is, it, it just proves what a small world that we live in. When someone who I haven't spoken to, and this is, again, this is going back 20 years. So Carlos at the time was was uh, what, 50, probably around 57, 58 at the time. And he said, I hadn't seen that person in probably 45, you know, 47 years. They obviously both ended up in Miami. She was listening to WIOD at the time. She phones in, absolutely incredible. And I remember we went out to lunch and we couldn't stop talking about how crazy that was. So I have great fond memories of Carlos Tarano Sr. Got to know him very well. Always a true gentleman. Total mensch. One of the greats in the cigar industry. And sadly, we've lost another icon, legendary figure. And I, when I think of some of the greats in the world of cigars, these were men that if you shook their hand, you had a deal. Tremendous honor. Tremendous integrity. I mean, unsurpassed integrity. I think of the late Stanford Newman, Frank Yanezza, Edgar Coleman Sr., and certainly now Carlos Tarano Sr. I think of also uh, uh, Carlos Fuente Sr. All those gentlemen were icons, identifiable with their cigars, but also certainly great individuals, great ambassadors for the industry, and great gentlemen to be around. When you talk to any of those men or did a deal with any of those aforementioned legends that I just spoke about, you shook their hand and that was it. You didn't need to worry about a contract. You didn't need to worry about a piece of paper. You shook their hand, their deal, their word was good. That was their bond. And so we've lost another icon in the industry. Carlos Tarano Sr. passed away, passes away this week at the age of 78. A private memorial mass and, memor and, and remembrance service to celebrate Carlos's life will be taking place in Miami. And if I do get word on that, I will, of course, pass that along. But Carlos Tarano Sr., rest in peace, my friend. You shall be missed. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor 
every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, to honor the great Carlos Torano Sr. passing away this week at the age of 78, it is only appropriate that I celebrate his life and his memory with a cigar that was very close to him. Close to him, not only because it was a great cigar, but close to him because of the name and what it represented. And I've just pulled out a Carlos Torano Exodus Gold 1959. And that, of course, was the year that Castro took power and they had to flee Cuba when their business, their bank accounts, everything they had was seized by that communist bastard Fidel Castro. May he rot in hell and be rotting in hell as we speak. Carlos Torano came up with this blend, wanted to pay tribute to the exodus of all the Cubans in 1959. And so he created a cigar that just has an just looking at this cigar, it's a wonderful box press cigar. Just the, looking at this cigar, the 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 band with the gold Exodus 1959, gold black with the Torano uh, uh, crest on the top. Just a beautiful looking cigar. It just you look at it and it looks like a dark chocolate candy bar. Absolutely gorgeous. The blend in this features a Habana 2000 wrapper. I remember when the Habana 2000 seed was first, it was a hybrid seed, first came out right around the year 2000. Much acclaim, and it is indeed beautiful. It's got a five-country blend of Dominican, Honduran, Mexican, Nicaraguan, and Costa Rican cigar tobaccos. Beautiful dark box press beauty. Pays tribute to the Torano family leaving Cuba, and I think it is the most appropriate cigar to smoke today to honor the memory of Carlos Torano Sr., the Torano Exodus Gold, 1959. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpened double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I have got the Cigar Day 5 Star. Five butane jet flames, massive jet flames, arranged in a pentagon to honor my 5 star ranking. Nice big translucent tank, just filled it up. It's at about 95% capacity, built-in cigar piercer, should I care to use it. Feels nice in the hand, ready for action. Cigar, cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this Torano Exodus Gold 1959. And as I do, let me just tell you that I have selected the Toro. Six inches in length with a 50 ring gauge. Now, at the time, it was about a $9.5 cigar. Now there are deals all over the place because the Toranos are all closeout. And it's very sad to me. Great cigar, great lineup of cigars that General did a nice job reblending, repackaging, and they just shuttered the line. It really is 
tragic in my estimation. Let me puff and rotate. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Nice note of chocolate, creamy. It's a medium, medium full-bodied cigar. Great draw. Mm. Let me blow on the foot of the cigar. Nice even amber glow. I got one area I want to just touch up. Fantastic. That is touched up. Mm. Excellent. Rich, flavorful. A lot of, lot of, lot of flavor off the Havana 2000 wrapper. This dark chocolate-looking wrapper. Mm. Just a lovely blend. It is indeed a beauty of a cigar. There are some still available. If you can get a hold of some, grab them. And there's some great prices on them, too. I've seen 50, 60, 70% off. So if you can grab any of the Taranos, a lineup of cigars, you won't go wrong. And this Exodus Gold 1959, outstanding, great tribute to Carlos Taranio Sr. Now I need the proper accoutrement. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, another family that lost everything to Fidel Castro and his communist revolution, the Areshabala family. They started a small distillery in Cuba that grew and grew, and eventually they made uh, a Havana Club rum. And Castro seized that too. Seized everything, just like the Bacardi family. Well, not that long ago, the Bacardi family and the family behind Havana Club decided that they would work together. And so they have brought back the Havana Club rum. And the rum that I have selected is the Añejo Classico. That was the original, they used the original 1934 recipe created by the Areshabala family. They say it's the real, taste the real spirit of Cuba, now proudly made in exhale. Now made by Bacardi in Puerto Rico. The Añejo Classic, beautiful looking color. When we say Añejo, that means aged. So it is aged for up to three years and then blended again for at least three months under the Caribbean sun for a rich flavor, smooth, velvety finish. So let me go ahead and pour a little bit into my snifter here. Very nice. By the way, real, a very reasonably priced. I think you're looking at about 28 to 30 bucks for a bottle, 750 milliliter bottle of the Havana Club. We'll say cheers. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Nice notes of vanilla, a little pineapple. Definitely getting some of the oak from the barrel. Smooth. This is the perfect accompaniment to the Taranio Exodus 1959 Gold. Let me take another sip. Mm. Take another puff. Outstanding. Victor Britt, what are you enjoying as we speak? Oh, it's a wait, wait, a Nicaraguan cigar? Indeed, yes. Also known as a Nicaraguan cigar? Nicaraguan cigar, then, yes. A Nicaraguan. Yeah. Uh, it's a Michicello. Oh. Michicello. Say that again. Michicello. Michicello. Spell it. M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-E-R. 
and it looks like there's an O at the end. Never heard of it, Mick. Where'd you buy it? I bought it here in London. Maybe it's just for the London market, the European market. That could be. And what libation do you have today? Uh, my usual general, it will be a Grant's whiskey, which is a blended whiskey, but very nice. Well, Balvini, one of my favorite single malt Scotch whiskeys, also uh, made by William Grant. So very good selection, Mick the Brit. All right. When we return, we must talk about what is taking place with our neighbors to the north, the Canada Freedom Convoy, Fidel Castro Trudeau, off the rails. And we've got some sound bites that are fantastic that we will share with you, one of which talks about truckers having big balls. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. You may hear the sound of a jet in the background. I am recording at a Ford Theater of Operations somewhere in the Cigar City of Tampa. Well, I'm at an airport. Of course, you can hear the jet in the background. That is the sound of Alpha Force One. Fueled up, auxiliary power unit is on, awaiting for me to board for a clandestine mission into the great white north of Canada, eh? to assist the Freedom Convoy, to assist and stand shoulder, as Mick would say, as you would say, Mick, stand shoulder to shoulder, General. Isn't that what you would tell me? Indeed, shoulder to shoulder, General. Shoulder to shoulder, General, with our neighbors to the north. Now, I grew up in Buffalo. Buffalo, you remember uh, Sarah Palin said, I can see Russia from my backyard. Well, the truth is, I can see Canada from close to where I grew up. Canada was only about a three-minute trip, very, very close. And for those that live in Detroit or Buffalo, Seattle, along the Canadian border, we would venture over many times to Canada. In fact, I would the best Chinese food growing up in Buffalo was in Fort Erie, Ontario. So this is before you needed a passport, pre-2001, when you would go to the border and the customs agent in Canada would say, citizen of what country? United States. Purpose of your visit? Going to pick up Chinese over at Ming Tay over on uh, Queen Street. Okay, have a nice, have a nice trip. Enjoy your meal. And literally, I would go over. My mother or father would say, "Hey, why don't you go over? We'll call it in." And I would go pick it up, cross into Canada, and bring it back. It would take all of maybe fifteen minutes. And then, of course, there's the very famed Canadian ballet, which is not the ballet that most people would think about. Let's just say that. The expression, the artistic expression of hot females wearing no clothes was unsurpassed until, of course, I moved to the Cigar City of Tampa and found that the American ballet or the Tampa ballet existed down here. 
And there's a very famous place called the Pussy Willow Inn in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And if you're thinking, the Pussy Willow Inn, could that be? You got it. Don't have to go any further. The name alone says it all. So I grew up being very familiar with Canada. Canadian news, Canadian customs, how Canadians talk, eh? You get in the fast lane, eh? And then we're going to go to Timmy's and have some Timbits and coffee, eh? Grew up with my relatives. Lived in Montreal, Toronto. Been to Toronto, or been to Canada hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. But I do not recognize the Canada that has been in existence the past two years. I do not recognize the tremendous lockdowns that have gone on, the arrests, the, the fact that Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau would order travelers who are either returning to Canada or visiting Canada would be locked in these jail-type hotels, served atrocious meals until they tested negative or they went through a mandatory quarantine period. I mean, they were literally hotels, full hotels were taken over. People were placed in there as, as if they were criminals, like jails. So what we saw with the Canadian Freedom Convoy, truckers, 80% of which, by the way, are vaccinated, but who have said, we are not for mandates. This nonsense where we have to quarantine after coming over the border, this nonsense where there's mandates for you to be able to travel on an airplane, go on a, a, on a bus, go onto a, a railroad car, go into a supermarket, go into a movie, that you had to have a vaccine, the vaccines, or else you couldn't travel, you couldn't live your life. Atrocious. And don't we find it interesting that it's always these ultra-leftists, these liberals, the ones who say that we believe in peaceful protests, that we believe people should be heard. We believe in taking a knee for Black Lives Matter. Isn't it amazing that it's always these people that believe that, that they should be peaceful, that they should love one another, these wokest ultra-leftists, when now people who disagree with them, the truckers or conservatives or whomever, when they disagree with the views of the current prime minister and the Labor Party, what happens? They're immediately branded, just like we see here in the United States. They're racist. They're homophobic. They're anti-Semitic. They're marching around with Confederate flags. They're marching around with Nazi flags. All blatant bullshit. It's gotten old. That if you disagree now with the Democrats, the liberals, the Labor Party, Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau, then now all of a sudden you are xenophobic, you are racist, you are homophobic, you're some so sort of, of, of evil enemy of the state. If you're a Donald Trump supporter, oh, you must absolutely be racist. When the Democrats today say, that this is a threat on our democracy, what they're saying, really saying, is this is a threat upon the Democrat Party. Castro Trudeau understands 
that the truckers, the peaceful truckers, the people who believe in freedom, that is a huge threat to him, the Labour Party, which, by the way, is a minority in the Canadian Parliament. Trudeau only won with, I think, 35% of the vote, one of the lowest percentages in Canadian history. He won with, he didn't win with a majority. He barely won with a third of the vote. He is the ultra-woke prime minister. I remember when someone stood up at some some town hall meeting and, he, and, and she said, you know, this would be great for all of mankind. And he stopped her and said, excuse me, you mean womankind? No, he said people kind. And she said, I'm talking about mankind. No, no, I prefer people kind. That's the generic friendly term. So he's a passive aggressive guy. There is no question in my mind that what we saw him do this week, he is an absolute sociopath. What did he do this week? We had for three weeks, we've had peaceful protests. People that went into Ottawa and said, we are going to block. We, we want to be heard because we have not been heard. No defacing of buildings, no graffiti, no arson, no throwing rocks, no weapons. No, there were popcorn machines. There were bouncy houses. There were people singing. What a threat. What an evil threat to democracy in Canada, eh? This week, he enacted the Invoke the Emergency Powers Act that has not been used in Canada in over 50 years. And it only may be invoked when a situation seriously threatens the ability of the government of Canada to preserve the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Canada, and when the situation cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law of Canada. Now let's take a look. Is, this, is the trucker protest, the convoy, does that threaten the ability of the government of Canada to preserve the sovereignty, security, territorial integrity of Canada? No. Are they being attacked? No. Is there an insurrection? No, although that's what Castro Trudeau is saying. This is an insurrection. BLM can cause all sorts of damage. Non-peaceful protests, he takes a knee with them. No problem. But now the truckers. And now by extension, an overwhelming majority of Canadians have said after two years, enough is enough. We are fed up. Now you would think that Castro Trudeau and the Labour Party would wake up and say, let's listen to what they have to say. It's been two years. Let's hear them out. When you are the Prime Minister or the President, you should listen to the very people who you report to. You report to the citizens and the voters of the country in which you are elected. Democracies in both the United States and in Canada. It behooves a leader, a real leader, who's a true alpha, to sit down and say, I will meet with you. What, let's talk about what the issue is. And had he met with the truckers, the truckers would have said, we got to stop these mandates. Enough's enough. Got to stop it. We are against the mandates. Let's open the country up. That's what they want. That's what the country wants. Do you think, it's not coincidental, that you would see all these 
Canadian mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers, people of all ages bringing food and soup and, and, and water, refreshments, baked goods to the truckers who are participating in this convoy. They're not bringing weapons. They're bringing food. They're bringing fuel. They're bringing nourishment. They are bringing beverages. That is a threat to the Canadian government, but Trudeau would, would stood up this week and didn't like the fact that not only Canadians but Americans have donated on crowd source, crowdfunding sites to donate money to the cause. The first fundraising effort raised $10 million on GoFundMe. And then that was shut down. Give, send, go, I think was up to, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say $5 million, maybe more, $8 million. Now the Prime Minister of Canada, the Fuhrer-in-Chief, enacts the Emergency Powers Act, which allows bank accounts to be frozen and seized. And all these draconian, Nazi-like powers. And by the way, the Emergency Act... Emergency Powers Act in Canada requires the Prime Minister to consult with the premiers of the provinces. Five premiers all said, we're against this. There's no need for this. This isn't a ridiculous situation. There's not an emergency here. Our, our territorial and, and, and provincial integrity isn't being threatened. Here's a perfect case in point. Ontario Premier Doug Ford got the message loud and clear with what is taking place. Numerous other premiers have gotten the message. They're not stupid. They said, okay, the people have spoken. Enough's enough. Take a listen. Earlier this week, what Doug Ford had to say when he was asked about the not only Emergency Powers Act, but about the mandates. You know, you, you, can, go to, you can go to Costco, you can go to Walmart, you can go shopping. You know, you don't know if the person has a shot beside you or not, but we also know that it doesn't matter if you have one shot or ten shots, you can catch COVID. See, the Prime Minister has triple shots, and I, I know hundreds of people with three shots that caught COVID. We just have to be careful. We've got to always make sure we wash our hands and, and move forward. But, Colin, we can't stay in this position forever. we got to learn to live with this and get on with our lives. I bet if I asked every single person, in this room. Do you want these damn masks or do you want them off? They want them off. They want to get back to normal. They want to be able to go for dinner with their families. And there's every single person, including myself, knows people that are unvaccinated. You know, sure, there's there's the rebel rousers, and then there's just hardworking people that just don't believe in it. And, and that's their choice. This is about, again, a democracy and freedoms and liberties. And I, I hate as a government, telling anyone what to do. We just got to get moving forward and, and get out of this and protect the jobs. You know, we're, I think a lot of people call them, probably yourself too, everyone's done with us. Like we are done with it. Let's let's start moving on and cautiously. And, you know, we, we've, we've followed the rules, all of us, like 90% of us for, for over two years. The world's done with it. So let's just move forward. This from a guy the Ontario Premier Doug Ford, who locked his province down multiple times. Now he sees the light when the citizens have spoken and are speaking loud and clear. The 
Quebec Premier Francois Legault said imposing the act risks putting oil on the fire by further polarizing the population and argued that local authorities in the province have the situation under control. Of course, the Prime Minister, Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau, said that this is causing a disruption in the economy with supply chains, with, 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 with the ability of Canada to conduct business. Really, where was he the last two years when he locked down the country with ridiculous mandates? Where was he? But now all of a sudden, oh, this is a huge problem. We've got to keep the economy open. He didn't give a damn over two years. Now he does. Isn't it amazing how quickly he's turned around? And I said, this is an act of desperation. This is not an act of a confident, strong alpha leader. This is an act of weakness, of desperation. We saw yesterday, and by the way, we are recording the, this edition of the Cigar Dave Show, which, will, which drops or is dropping Saturday, February 19th. We're recording Friday, February 18th. Right now it's 12.34 in the afternoon Eastern time. I'm looking at a live feed. The trucker convoy, the freedom convoy, the protesters saying we're not going anywhere, even though police last night, the Ottawa police, which has now become the Nazi Gestapo, the Ottawa Gestapo, started arresting the organizers, went up to them right on the street, and, and just arrested them for ridiculous charges. There are the Gestapo. Any cop, any police officer that follows an order to arrest innocent protesters, peaceful protesters, do not deserve any safety. They do not deserve security. They deserve to be tried put on trial. And what's interesting is today, meaning as we record this on Friday, so if you're listening Saturday, it's yesterday, the Canadian Parliament wanted to have a session to argue the Emergency Powers Act. But the police shut down, the Ottawa police shut down the Parliament. They shut down a peaceful protest they are shutting down reporters who are covering it. They're not allowing them. They're, they're, they're making a Trudeau Gestapo telling reporters to turn off cameras. This is supposedly a democracy. This is supposedly a land of freedom. And a wussified beta male who's an absolute pussy, a passive-aggressive pussy, Castro Trudeau, is seizing power the way Adolf Hitler seized power. No difference. No difference. It is outrageous. And last night when I saw the video of Tamara Lish, one of the organizers of the Freedom Convoy, peaceful, walking down the street, they tell her to turn around, they arrest her. My comment was on Twitter, Ottawa police now fully transformed into Nazi Gestapo officers. Fuhrer Justin Castro Trudeau and the Ottawa Gestapo deserve the same fate that ultimately befell every Nazi at the conclusion of the Nuremberg trials. Hashtag Trudeau for treason. 
hashtag Canada truckers, hashtag Freedom Convoy. The globalists are getting very worried. The deputy premier, who's also the minister of finance, who went out uh, in front of the cameras and said that we are going to seize bank accounts, we're going to suspend your insurance if you're part of this freedom convoy, we're going to go after crowdfunding. She is on the board of the World Economic Forum, the globalists that want to come in and believe that a small group of people should intercede in governments around the world. By the way, her grandfather, known Nazi, known Nazi. In fact, after World War II, the Polish government was after her grandfather for Nazi crimes. So she is the descendant of a Nazi. So it's not surprising when you have the descendant of a Nazi, the deputy prime minister, also serves as the minister of finance, who is invoking Nazi-like powers. It's no surprise when you have the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Castro Trudeau, who's the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. It is no surprise that his genetics now are, are coming out. His communist, brutal thug dictator genes have been passed on from Father Fidel to son Justin, that he's enacting all these draconian, Nazi-like powers. Remember one thing, that during World War II, when the guards said, and the Gestapo and the SS said, we were just following orders, that wasn't an excuse. And if the police just follow orders, they should be tried. Fidel, Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau, has awoken a sleeping giant. He now, his popularity is down to, I think, 19% in Canada. Instead of sitting down and meeting with the Freedom Convoy, the Freedom Protesters, he has inflamed the situation. He has enacted a law that hasn't been enacted in over 50 years. This will not end well for Trudeau and the labor movement. And the globalists, the World Economic Forum enemies of the world, they're damn worried because they see this happening now across the world, that the people are rising, the workers are rising. If you want to destroy a country and stop a country, there's only one thing that has to be done. The truckers walk away from their trucks. Watch how quickly the economy falls into a state of disaster. I've always said one of the overlooked most important groups of laborers we have in this country or any country are the truckers. They move the health care goods. They move food. They move beverage. They move essential supplies. Watch what happens if the truckers all say, we're done. You think the military is going to be able to handle that? No chance. I'm telling you, I think Trudeau's end goal is to arrest all these truckers under the Emergency Powers Act, he will seize the trucks. He will force the military then to drive the trucks so that the country, the Canadian economy doesn't collapse. It won't work. And I can, be, I can assure you that Biden is damn worried. Why do you think the Democrats have all of a sudden changed their tune dramatically in the last five days? They have seen what is taking place in Canada. They have seen the truckers speaking out against mandates. And now what do we see? 
Every Democrat governor saying, oh, we're going to get rid of the mandates, and we're, we're, we're not all the mandates. They're getting rid of the mask mandate, but still not the vaccine mandate. But that's coming. Now all of a sudden they're changing their tune. We have to open things up. We can't keep our economy down. All these Democrat governors that destroyed small businesses have now had an epiphany. It's no accident. We can thank our neighbors to the north, the alphas who are in the Canadian Freedom Convoy, in the Freedom Display in Ottawa and across Canada. It is not coincidental. And I happen to catch this. Mick the Brit, are you familiar with a woman, a British woman named Katie Hopkins? Yes. All right. She is known to be a, a conservative pundit. I believe she is a member of the UKIP party right now. She was on LBC. Uh, I believe that is, what is that, um, London's Best Conversation? Or what, what's the... Uh, <laughs> Leading Britain's conversation oh. now because they're national, but it started out as a uh, the UK's first legal commercial radio station back in 1973. Right, leading Britain's <laughs> conversation. Yes. Well, she had she posted a video to YouTube, and she's wearing this like little. Um, she doesn't have bodacious boobs. She's not overly endowed up top, but she's wearing this workout kind of this workout sports bra that are pushing her minimalist boobs together. And so you will note a reference that she makes on it, but if you saw the video, you would know it, so I'm, I'm giving you a little uh, a back history, backstory on it. But this is a YouTube video talking about truck, alpha truckers have big balls. As you would say, Mick, it was sterling. Take a listen. Don't even ask me where I squidged these up from. I know, I did it on purpose. But the Canadian truckers, seriously, how big are the balls on those Canadian truckers. They're in the snow, minus 22 degrees in a t-shirt saying, take my truck, put me in prison. I don't care, freedom matters more. I honestly believe the reason they have to have those big ass trucks is because their balls are so big. And what a relief it is to womankind to finally see alpha males parading their testosterone through the streets with their big balls swinging like pendulums in the snowy blizzard. Thank God for the truckers. Honk, honk to you and me. I am here as the spirit of the menopause, ready to stand on your bonnet. What do you call it? Hood, hood, ready to stand on your hood anytime you choose. Swinging the balls like giant pendulums. Mick. Yeah. As you know, this five star has always swung my massive balls like pendulums wherever I go. Well, and that's perfectly true, General. And as you're probably aware, well, I'm sure you, you know, and maybe the lieutenants don't, but uh, I am proud to have been an American trucker. I forgot about that, Mick. Yes, let's talk about that. How long were you a trucker? And let's talk about your experience and the importance of the truckers to the welfare and health of a country's economy. Well, basically, without trucks, America stops. If you wear it, use it, or eat it, guess what? It was delivered by a truck. Well, not everything we eat, Mick, if you know what I'm talking about. Ah, well, that's perfectly true. Sometimes they come in their own car. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you, you hit it right on that. Mick, so how long were you a trucker in the United States? Oh, I guess about a couple of years, I think. Yeah. And what was your experience like traveling the highways and byways of the United States of America? 
Well, it's funny because I've heard some Americans refer to the states in between uh, New York and California as the flyover states. But Correct. I have to say, as a testament to the good people there of your nation general, I was never bored and I was never lonely. And these guys work hard. I mean, because we have to be uh, guided by the, uh, or, you know, with the um, regulation of um, our um, graphs, uh, not graphs, but I mean, uh, our, the regulation of the log, the trucker's log. Now, you can only work 14 hours, unless they've changed it since I did it. You could only work 14 hours a day. You could only drive 10 hours a day, and you had to have a minimum of eight hours sleep. And you was also uh, an amount of hours you could work during a week. So uh, the only way to reset those clocks was uh, holding still for 24 hours. Now, like the cab trade in London, how I also uh, earn my money, uh, and I have done for many years, um, you only got paid when something was in the back. So all the time you're waiting to be loaded or unloaded, and it can take hours, you don't earn a dime. Right. So, yeah, a lot of respect to uh, my trucking uh, colleagues there in the USA and, of course, Canada. Yes. Well, I remember, Mick, the first time I saw you pull up in the truck to Command Center Alpha, and I said, how can somebody so small drive something so big? <laughs> I was astonished, Mick. You couldn't even see above the windshield, above the wheel. Yeah, well, fortunately, yeah, that was adjustable, and so was the seat, so I could reach the pedals. <laughs> Well, you hit it right on the head, Mick. Nothing happens in this country without the truckers. Tremendous importance. And so when I hear Fide uh, uh, Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau say there's all sorts of misinformation and disinformation about the Emergency Powers Act, that is code for censorship. That is exactly what the Dems, the Libs, the Labor Party in Canada want. They want censorship. Whenever they talk about disinformation, misinformation, they're talking about the ability to censor the other side. If you don't agree with their, if, if what you say does not agree with what they believe, then you are spreading misinformation and disinformation. They want censorship. What happened to the First Amendment in this country? The freedom of speech in Canada. It is being eroded. And I am telling you what has taken place in Canada is just the beginning of a massive movement, not only in Canada, but in the United States and around the world, where people and the citizens of countries are fed up with the governments who no longer listen to them, but is a small group of, of leaders who exhibit dictatorial powers amongst, along with bureaucrats that have now superseded the rights and freedoms of the very citizens who elected them. And I am telling you, we are going to see a massive, massive change, a massive shift. It's happening. We're seeing the effects in the U.S. We will see it worldwide. And what the, we, the Canadian truckers have started, this is the beginning of a movement, not the end. It is only the beginning, and we'll see massive repercussions. And people are fed up with the woke bullshit. They're fed up with having their freedom of speech restricted. They're tired of being locked down, and the entire two years of the last of this, this this Wuhan virus pandemic has been nothing more than the ability of a select few to control a large number of people in their countries. And now I see Fauci, fewer phony Fauci, 
saying, oh, we have to continue the mask mandates for children. We're not there yet because this could be very dangerous. Children are the least affected, the least affected of any group. Sergeant Steve, you have two kids that are of school age in grade school. Are they wearing masks? Some are. Is it mandatory? No, it was. And that was, by the way, there's a big lawsuit going on. I believe that the, the governor now wants to impose fines because there was a limit. Apparently, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there was an executive order that did not allow uh, mask mandates to be implemented in schools, if I'm not mistaken. Is that your understanding? Yeah, that was back in August, September, yeah. Back in August, September. But Hillsborough County, Sarasota County, a number of other, I think Broward County, they went against that order. And now the governor, governor is imposing fines, not against the district, but against the actual administrators themselves. So that's a very controversial issue. But your kids have not been masked, correct? They've worn them. Uh, they're not now. And how long have they not worn the masks? Oh, I, I mean, I don't remember. We had them on when they were mandated, and okay. I don't know. You know, I couldn't tell you in class if they wore them. I'm not there, so. Well, we know that kids, number one, are not susceptible. They, they can get it, but they are the most resistant to it. And so we know that most of the masks the kids are wearing are not N95, so they're useless. Same thing with the masks on airplanes and all the other masks. So I say enough's enough, but Fauci wants to continue the ability to control people. And that's what this is about. Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau is losing his grip on power. And that's ultimately what this equates to. And instead of saying, let's go ahead and let me meet with these truckers, let's see if we can find a resolution. He has been obstinate, refusing to meet viewing them as the enemy, calling them a fringe minority. Justin, you have overplayed your hand, you dumb son of a bitch. This isn't a fringe minority. This is the overwhelming majority of Canadians. They're not fringe. They're not Nazis. They're not insurrectionists. These are hardworking Canadians whose tax dollars fund the government which you oversee. Your time is coming down to is coming to an end. Tick tock, tick tock, guaranteed. The final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. I had the pleasure of knowing the late great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. 
Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand new Gurkha Revenant available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Mick the Brit rejoins us from the European Theater of Operations, classified location in the London metro area. Mick the Brit, so tell us, now that things are getting back to normal, what is the general attitude of those in Britain, the citizens? Are they as fed up as the Canadians and the Americans with the mandates? I believe yes, but unfortunately the uh, media here, um, they'll they'll still stoke it up and say, well, we need to be cautious. But you know what, General? It's not really affecting that many people in terms of hospitalizations and people needing ventilators. And the the people that put the statistics out, well, there's one uh, sky, they literally put out all the restrictions that are on, which are going to be lifted. But they also released the statistics uh, from the uh, Office of the Information about the latest hospitalizations and people that have died within 28 days of, with COVID. Now, we've discussed before, somebody could go to hospital being involved in a, oh, I don't know, an accident, and um, whilst in hospital, they contract COVID. But guess what? It goes down on their death and they die from their injuries. It still goes down on their death certificate as um, COVID-related. So um, there's not there's a few people wearing masks, but that's voluntary, really. Uh, and, yeah, you do get these people that sort of do it, who, uh, hey, look how good I am. I'm not spreading my germs. But you know what? It's not really good to wear a mask, breathing in, back in your, the, 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 your carbon monoxide. So, And I don't wear a mask. And there are, you, can, you don't have to wear it if you're exempt. And seeing as I caught the COVID last year, uh, and I've had the boosters, and I've had the uh, every every drug they gave me in hospital. Um, even this Omicron virus, I did not get it. So uh, I'm, you know, so that's fine. So no, we are creeping back to normal here, General. But you still get the same people making the same noises, and that's not good. That's holding us back. Mick, let me ask you a question: How long, when you when you caught the Wuhan virus, I believe yeah. the Delta variant? How long was it from the time you developed symptoms until the time you sought treatment? Oh, right. Um, I, I literally, because I, I thought I had it the previous year, I thought, well, I've, I've got, I, you know, it's, it's just flu. I'll write it out. But I'm telling you, General, um, with somebody that doesn't have no underlying conditions, somebody that likes his booze, somebody that likes his cigars, um, I, 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 after a week, it, nothing in the chemist, the pharmacy, would, would touch it apart from the Advil and those kind of things, you know, for headaches. So, so, um, so it was a week then from the time that you first had a symptom? Oh, 
Well, what, no, I, I actually spoke to the NHS. The next day, they sent round a monitor because I was having a bit of trouble breathing. So the next day, they couriered a, a monitor you stick on your finger to measure your blood oxygen level. Uh, and because my blood oxygen level was in the low 80s, when it should be mid-90s at least, um, they said, right, OK, we're going to send a paramedic. They sent a paramedic, and the paramedic says, we're taking you to hospital. And then from when I got into the hospital and they pretty much see me straight away. They put me in my own room, and from that Tuesday, I was let out on the Saturday once uh, I'd sort of fully recovered, rehydrated, got my lungs back uh, somewhere where I, I, I was making enough oxygen. Wasn't fully recovered. It took about another 10 days for my lung capacity to get back to where it is today. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't that bad, General. Okay, so, I, let me, so let me go back. Yeah. You start developing a symptom. What was it? Sore throat, achy, cough? What was it? No, it was uh, fever, uh, temperature, and just feeling okay, very... Okay, so that was your first symptom, fever, yeah. temperature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So from that time, when did you get a Wuhan virus test after your first symptom? Uh, it was after a week. Uh, so you waited a week? Yeah, because I wasn't See, into. I, I just thinking it was flu. So right, I, I there stayed is the indoors problem. in bed. Okay, so there, let me stop you right there, Mick. There is the problem, because as we know with the Wuhan virus, the key to successful treatment, avoiding hospital, ICU, even death, is early treatment. So as soon as you have your first symptom, and you are tested, you want to treat within the first four to five days. And how do? What's the suggested recommended treatment? Not the recommended treatment to the FDA or the CDC, but we know from physicians that have prescribed an early treatment protocol, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin C, vitamin D3, and either doxycycline or azithromycin. Also, you can uh, prescribe Pepsid, also an anti-inflammatory, aspirin, because this is an anti, it's an inflammatory disease. So the ivermectin, is an anti-inflammatory, also kills the RNA strands. So it's an antiviral. The hydroxychloroquine, also an anti-inflammatory, but it allows the zinc to penetrate in the cell, and we know zinc is an antiviral. So had you called me, Mick, the first <laughs> thing I would have said is, and I don't know if the physicians there are prescribing hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin uh, or not, but I would have said, if they don't, you need to get quercetin, which is a a zinc ionophore similar to hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and vitamin D3, vitamin C, and then a doctor to get you azithromycin or doxycycline, which acts as a protection around your lungs. So you waited already a week, yeah. and we know that early treatment is the key. Now, luckily, you came out of it, and I know that you had remdesivir in the hospital, and that can be very toxic to the kidneys. So you are lucky because chances are, once they give you that remdesivir, that is bad news. And your oxygen saturation was in the 80s, also bad news. So yeah. you're lucky, as I say to everyone, at the first sign of symptoms, do not delay. Go see a doctor, and if they will not prescribe ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, the zinc, the vitamin D, and vitamin C you can get over the counter, find another physician. So the good news is, Mick, you recovered, but not good that you waited over a week. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, General. I mean, it, yeah, it felt like the worst hangover I ever had, but I'm thinking, oh, it's flu. Uh, you know, I'll, 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 I will get better, but I didn't. And, yeah, um, talking of inflammatories, General, also vegetable oil, that is an inflammatory. 
Well, maybe so, but not enough for uh, to treat the Wuhan virus. No, well, no, not to treat it. What I'm saying, not an anti-inflammatory, an inflammatory. So, in other words, no, you don't want inflammatory. You want an anti-inflammatory. Exactly. So, people that eat food cooked in vegetable oil, that's not good for your body either. That's what I'm saying. Well, okay, but <laughs> in, ter- yeah. in terms of the Wuhan virus, Mick. Yeah. Uh, do you take vitamin D3 now, by the way? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, you should I'll take, take a minimum yeah. 5,000 IU. We have found, we've talked about it here on the show, that almost every patient that is admitted to the hospital and every pa- almost every patient that gets into the ICU, extreme low levels of vitamin D3. There are vitamin mm. D3 deficiency. It is crucial. So vitamin D3, very important. Your level should be between 70 and 90. Most people's vitamin D3, if they checked them, are probably between 10 and maybe 30. Very important. Take your vitamin D3 every day. All right. Mm -hmm. We have talked many times about the enemies of pleasure, the food police, the enemies of meat. And what have we heard Mm. from the enemies of meat? That we should abandon meat in favor of a plant-based diet because meat increases climate change and global warming because the fact that cows emit methane gas during flatulence that cows with all the grass and all the other uh, items that they eat that takes a toll on the environment and the fact that there's all sorts of processing that means that farmers use fuel and carbon fuels in order to run their machines and their tractors and their equipment and therefore that takes a toll so the bullshit excuse we hear from the enemies of meat the enemies of pleasure the food police the vegans are we should do this for the environment and when that didn't work when that hasn't worked when people said yeah i'm not giving up meat that has nothing to do with climate change they need to come up with another narrative we see this all the time No matter what the item is, if one narrative doesn't work, we have to create another narrative. So, for example, if you are a Trump supporter, then all of a sudden, then you are you are a a, a, a racist, you are homophobic, you're misogynistic, all these bullshit excuses, and that hasn't stuck. And so now the Democrats had to go to Plan B. So what do they say now? Oh, you are, if you are a Trump supporter, you believe in disinformation and misinformation. They always have to change the narrative when it doesn't work. And believe me, the disinformation, misinformation, which is nothing more than a shield to cloak the fact that they want to enact speech limitations, will not work once again. And now we see the absolute nutcases, the wackadoodles that are coming out. Perfect case in point. Mick, have you ever debated... At the Oxford Union. No. Have you ever been to Oxford, Mick? No, but my nephew is currently there. As a student? Uh, Yes. Excellent. Well, the Oxford Union, on a regular basis, hosts debates. And they have been hosting debates within their halls, their hallowed halls, Mick, of the Oxford Union for over 190 years. They hosted a debate recently about whether society should move beyond meat in favor of an all-plant-based diet. One of the proponents of moving away from meat, going to a plant-based diet, was vegan feminist 
<laughs> Interesting title. Carol Adams, an American, never heard it as broad, but I will let her soundbite do the talking. I believe we should move beyond all meat. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes, who all just want to have fun. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat, and eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists weapon, weaponized it, eating meat, eggs, and dairy, and the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part of the neo-Nazi <laughs> messaging. <laughs> to say you care about animals is considered a sign of weakness in a world still committed to the gender binary. Meat eaters like anti-abortionists have forgotten that one quality of non-existence is not having awareness about existence. When all else fails, meat eaters assert that animals are not our equals. I heard all your laughter. I know some of these must be new ideas, or you think they're fringe or whatever. Our whiteness is part of the problem of meat eating. Our whiteness is a problem for meat eating. Where do we start with this nutcase, this mishugana, this wackadoodle? First, when she says your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny, I must disagree. My hamburger comes with a dose of cheddar cheese, ketchup, mustard, pickles, on preferably a sesame seed or Kaiser bun. She goes on to talk about that cows are, we, we, we make cows and fish and, and, and pigs sexy. Where the hell is she getting this nonsense from? And when she says that lib men are soy boys, guess what? Wussified beta liberal men are wussified soy boys. Yes. They are. No ifs, no ands, no buts. She's truthful about that. But what nonsense. Meat eating is one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. I have to tell you, I had a beautiful New York strip steak last night that I made in my air fryer. I've discovered you can actually make your steak in an air fryer. It is tender, juicy. You get a nice char, and it's easy. It's like... For about an inch and a half uh, steak, it's probably five and a half, about five minutes each side, and you get a nice medium-rare steak. I made it last night. Not once did I ever think that my meat comes with a dose of misogyny, that I am acting as a white supremacist because I enjoyed steak. I have seen blacks. I have seen Asians. I have seen Native Americans eat steaks. Not one time do they say, I'm eating this because I'm a white supremacist. They eat steaks because it tastes good, because it's nutritious, and it is quite delicious. Anything else is nothing more than a liberal loon fallacy. This woman is whacked. Mick. General. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, you called me, so I'm answering, General. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And by the way, that lovely piece of steak or burger that you might have had, did it not also come from a female cow that gave birth to the female cow or the male bull? That is correct. Exactly. We are paying tribute to the female cow. I'll tell you what, Sergeant Steve, <laughs> let's run that soundbite of vegan feminist wackadoodle nutcase Carol Adams. By the way, we just researched and we believe the last time she got laid was in 1941. That is our, our current estimate. This woman needs a schlong very, very badly. It is very clear that she hasn't been out with a man in decades. So here's vegan feminist nutcase Carol Adams one more time in its entirety. I believe we should move beyond all meat. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes, who all just want to have fun. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat, and eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists weapon, weaponized it, eating meat, eggs, and dairy, and the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part of the neo-Nazi <laughs> messaging. <laughs> to say you care about animals is considered a sign of weakness in a world still committed to the gender binary. Meat eaters like anti-abortionists have forgotten that one quality of non-existence is not having awareness about existence. When all else fails, meat eaters assert that animals are not our equals. I heard all your laughter. I know some of these must be new ideas or you think they're fringe or whatever. Our whiteness is part of the problem of meat eating. As they say in the South, bless her heart. What a total wackadoodle. General. Yes, Mick. The first words out of her mouth should have been the first move that we do. <laughs> good one, Mick. Very good. And Mick, now we do know that the quality of steak in Britain, not exactly like quality in the United States, correct? Correct. Absolutely not. I've always been a big fan of the uh, steak there in America. W in why the is the steak so suboptimal in the UK, Mick? I don't know, General. I mean, it's like somebody saying, what makes one cigar better than another? Um, all, I don't know. It, it, it's down to variance, I, I suppose, how they're fed, where they're fed, what kind of lifestyle they have, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. But it well, just tastes nice. My taste buds smile when I have a, an American steak. Because they're, it's tasty, it's juicy, yeah. it's delicious. You just get that lovely meat texture. There's nothing like a bone-in ribeye, medium-rare Pittsburgh char style. That's the way you have a steak. That's right. That's right. And, we don't uh, want I'm, the British shoe leather, Mick. No, and, and some, some of them have tasted like that, I must admit. And thanks for the tip with the air fryer. I have one of those in my... Oh, you do, Mick? 
kitchen. In, indeed, I do, General, yes. Oh, outstanding. I tell you what, it's a great way to do it. And I I ended up seeing a friend of mine's got one, so I said, I'm going to get one of these things. Yeah. And I got the one that's got the two separate compartments, so you can actually do two separate things at mm. once. Wow. And you just stick a steak in there. And here's the other cool thing. Let's say you put Brussels sprouts or vegetables. You can press a button on the one that I have. So let's say your Brussels sprouts take, let's say, 22 minutes air frying to cook to get that nice char. And my steak only takes 10 minutes, and I have to flip it midway. I program the time. You put, uh, I think it's called, not match cook, but something along of synchronized cook. And it'll automatically start. It starts the, the vegetables first. That needs 22 minutes. And then at the right time, to sync it up, to end at the right time, it starts the steak side. It's very. It's so easy. You flip it over, and then you put it in a foil tent, let it rest for three minutes, slice it, bing, bang, boom, you are ready for steak. And now I'm in the mood for a nice steak, Mick. So I think tonight I'm going to have a nice bone-in ribeye. But I think I'm going to do it on the grill this time, not in the air fryer. I'm in the mood for some nice char on it, so I will do that. Mick, by the way, how did you celebrate your birthday? Did you enjoy some of the European harem that I sent over your way? Oh, indeed I did, General, yes. And uh, sorry if one or two of them have not returned yet. Keep them as long as you need, Mick. (laughs) No rush. I got 32 hot dames, bodacious dames here. All right, as always, Mick, great having you with us on the uh, the show. Yes, go ahead, Mick. With the the enemies of pleasure when it comes to food, a headmistress at a school here in the UK has said, stipulated, no parents should send their kids to her school with any meat products in their lunchboxes. Oh, lovely. We got a vegan headmistress. Yeah. Are parents abiding by that? No, I don't think so. But this is a developing story But because, of course, the... Uh, well, we see in New York City the new mayor, uh, uh, Adams, who's a total spamoots, sh- total schmuck. <laughs> he now, because he went vegan, although he eats fish and chicken, but it's amazing how, do as I say, not as I do. Now he wants, I think it's Friday Vegan Day, where... Uh, every student in the New York City public school system will eat a horrible, tasteless vegan meal. And he's saying, oh, this is great. We want this. Meanwhile, they're throwing it out. Nobody wants it. They have to inflict their beliefs on others. It's enough. You believe it? Great. Be a vegan. Have at it. Enjoy yourself. But don't tell me whether I should be a carnivore or a vegan. It's none of your damn business. General, General, how do you know somebody's a vegan? How do you know somebody is a vegan? Is this a joke? Kind of, but it's oh. pretty true as well. How do you know somebody's a vegan? Well, most of the time they look peaked. No, they tell you they are. Yeah, that's true. Oh, they'll tell you they're <laughs> vegan. Right, exactly. Right, and they'll say, oh, I used to love meat, but then I saw how cows are treated, and I, I, I've converted. And then every time you're eating your steak, they're looking drooling. You can see the foam coming out of their yes. mouth. And we say, would you like a bite? Oh, no, no, no. I've been a vegan now for seven years. I couldn't. Oh, the thought of meat in my mouth. But I guarantee you, secretly, they're chomping down on some nice ribeye or a filet. Guaranteed. Mick the Brit. Great to have you on, my friend. All the best. Hope you enjoy the rest of your birthday week. Thank you. We will talk soon. Thank you. Yes, indeed, sir. All right. And we will wrap it up here. As always, don't forget, make sure you subscribe to The Cigar Dave Show and also give us a five-star review and to our brother, Bold Alpha Podcast. 
and give us a five-star review on that. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. We Americans and this Alpha male in chief and five stars stands with our brothers and sisters to the north. In Canada, we stand with the Canadian Freedom Convoy. We stand against the Nazi-like actions of Justin Fidel Castro Trudeau. And lastly, rest in peace to Carlos Torano Sr. We will miss you, my friend, one of the greats in the cigar industry.